All right. This week's episode, I take some questions from you, the listeners, as well as break down the immortal feud between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant that finally reached its peak as a defining moment of my childhood, WrestleMania 3. Okay, let's do this. This is Mr. Meanie, and I'm 80s Wrestling Kid. All right. Here we are again, Margo. How you doing? How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm good. Ah, well, a week has passed from a successful launch, and uh, here we are doing episode four. Yay! It's very exciting. So I just want to give a quick little shout out to everyone that has listened and and shown support already. It's been fantastic. Thank you for the feedback. Shared it. Oh yeah, thanks for the sharing. Thanks for sharing is caring. (laughs) It really is. Care Bear '80s reference. Nerd toys. Um, yeah, if you were on Apple Podcasts and you and you gave a rating and you, and you gave a review, thank you so much. All of that is really appreciated. And yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying. We're having a blast. This is a super fun way to spend some time and uh, talk about one of my favorite things. So this has been great. If you want to send more feedback, uh, reach me out on the socials. So Instagram, I'm at Mr.Meany. On Twitter, at Mr. Underscore Meany. And please, if you've got questions or comments, I have a Gmail. It's 80s Wrestling Kid at gmail.com that's the word 80s e-i-g-h-t-i-e-s yeah if you have like any stories that you'd like to hear as well like or stories that you'd like to share that you'd like us to read out if you got favorite wrestlers you got yeah it's things like that please please send it along send it along if you got like a a joke a wrestling joke send a wrestling joke oh my god actually you know what if you send a wrestling joke i'll read it Oh, guaranteed. Ooh, well, ooh, I like this. Anybody that sends any kind of story or anything, we'll read it. Yeah, I like this idea. Here, I'll get us started. I got a wrestling joke. Okay. So remember Leaping Lanny Poffo? Yes. He was uh, Randy Savage's brother? Yes. He had the character The Genius. Okay. Right? So what would The Genius's DJ name be? I don't know. I'm not going to joke. I don't know. MC Squared? Oh. I know. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible, but that's what I'm looking for. Tell me terrible wrestling jokes. <laughs> I love this idea. So yeah, feedback questions. I will promise to give you a shout out. I'll promise to read the questions out loud. In fact, if we could get lots of questions, I'd love to do a whole Q and A episode and just uh, jabber on about '80s wrestling. So if you got questions or comments, it can be about '90s. It can be about new wrestling. Ask me stuff. I love, obviously, love talking about it. So um, yeah, thanks so much. We're gonna do this as long as we can and uh, have we... fun doing it. Yeah. Do you wanna? Do you want to talk some wrestling? Yeah, let's talk Shall about Shall we get wrestling. to the undercard? Sure. All right, let's do it. Okay, so for today's undercard, I thought it'd be super fun to answer some questions. We got some cool feedback and questions from you guys on the social medias, and they're all about me and my wrestling history and wrestling things I think are awesome. So yeah, Margo, I think, is going to uh, start us off with some questions, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so we've got a few questions from some friends here. Um, we're going to open with a question from Paul. He had a few questions for us. Okay, sounds and good. And he would like to know what your favorite belt design is in the business. Ooh, okay. Well, I love wrestling belts. Uh, if you want to see a picture of my favorite, you go check out my Instagram today because there's going to be a picture of me wearing it. I'm not <laughs> going to talk about it yet. I'll save that to the end of this little answer here. I love belt designs. I love, so let's see, um, when I first started watching wrestling, the British Bulldogs won these tag belts from the Dream Team, Greg Valentine, Bruce Beefcake. So those WWF tag team titles are so old school and so classic looking, I love them. Pretty cool. Um, The NWA 10 Pounds of Gold 
it's if any old school wrestling fans that know that belt, it's just nostalgia. Oh, like all, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It makes you think of Ric Flair wearing a three piece suit and his hair feathered. It's just this gorgeous old wrestling belt. But I got to give some love out right now to AEW's new title. It, it's not even presented yet. I think the pay per view in August is when someone will finally win that new title. But if you haven't seen it yet, it is sparkly. It has a design that's actually not like anything I've seen before. It is oh, a beautiful title that's belt. That's exciting. Very original. So, no love for the vegan belt? Oh, I forgot about Daniel Bryan's vegan belt. You know what? I, know I might get some heat from this, and I don't care. We loved that I title. I love that belt. I loved his whole damn gimmick. I'll be honest with you. I loved that title. It was <laughs> The story was that it was made from wood that had already fallen, like trees that had already fallen, and hemp, and it just enraged people. Like, and they really went that extra mile of like using burlap to make it look extra <laughs> yeah. crunchy vegan. But like the wood and everything was beautiful. Yeah. I thought it was gorgeous. I liked it too. Thank you for reminding me about the yeah. the Sorry. hemp belt. I just had was, to put my two cents in that there. That belt was a beautiful thing. Yeah. A beautiful thing. Um yeah, you know what? And, of course, oh, I'll get to my favorite. Check on my Instagram, but the, the Intercontinental title that Macho Man Randy Savage won, Ricky Steamboat had. A lot of great wrestlers carried this title, but it is, it's just, I look at it and I think wrestling. When I see it's it, that is... It's classic. You know, it's classic. And I had always wanted it, dreamed my whole life. I didn't get to win it. I didn't pin any before, anybody for it, but there it is. There up it on my is shelf. On so, the shelf. Yeah. Check, it, check out my Instagram. See the picture. It's pretty cool. That was a great question, Paul. Thanks. Okay, so our next question is from our friend Janelle C. Okay. Um, she would like to know, who are some retired wrestlers that they should bring back? Ooh, okay. Um, retired. See, I'm, I'm I'm almost of the thought pattern that's like, just, you know, once they're retired, just let them rest. Let them rest. Let that's them what rest. My answer is um, <laughs> they're tired. Maybe if if there are retired wrestlers that want to come back, maybe just bring them back in more like, you know, on screen. You know, interviews and uh, you know, Character roles. I saw Edge. Uh, Edge made a great comeback in the ring, and he was he was had a mic and he was talking to Becky Lynch, and it was great. But you know, he's not going to take any bumps with that former neck injury. He's he's smart. So, um, you know, we did have Goldberg come back recently, so that was that was someone that it, that I would have said. Um, but, but he I think messed up. He did. He did. So I think letting people retire. Though this is not a question for me, but let sleeping dogs. If lie. I can think of one person that's retired that would be young enough still to come back that I I would love to see wrestle again but I'm cool with him not because I know there's there's issues there and he's totally happy now and that'd be CM Punk. I do kind of miss CM Punk. I really enjoyed him in the ring, but I think he's kind of done with wrestling and he's doing his own thing and doing and doing great. So, but if he ever changed his mind, I would love to watch CM Punk wrestle again. Okay. So that would be my answer for Janelle. Okay, cool. Thanks cool. Janelle. Our third question is from our buddy Adam O. Okay, Adam how can the fans convince okay this is kind of a mouthful how can fans convince vince oh to take better care of his talent both financially and physically oh geez adam come on wow just going for the going, through going for, the, for the big questions there um that's a that's a multi-layered question i think that a lot of this comes from what we see with the wrestlers that came from the 80s that are all dying young. And I know how people feel about that. But wrestling was very different then than it is now. So if you watch this great documentary called 350 Days, it shows what a lot of these wrestlers went through back in the 80s. And yeah, they, they went through hell back then. And that's why a lot of them are not making it to the 60s and, and 70s. It's a rough sport. And I think even now, like the competitors are going through things that are really physical. But I, I think that the WWE does 
while the wrestlers are are working for them take care of them from what i hear they if there's a surgery that's done it's done by the best people and i'm noticing longer breaks as well for people to me heal. too me too like especially with the the women's because i pay more attention to the women so i notice it more but like alexa bliss was away for a long time and nia Jax right now is away yeah. for a long time because they need to heal from their injuries yeah so if this means like after the fact do they need some sort of like post-wrestling health care i don't know that th- those are issues that i'm not really sure aew's talking about doing that some sort of wrestling health care i'm sure that i don't really know the WWE must look into this and they, they, they must stand by their people but um i this- think they do try to take care of their talent the wrestlers are also like going through these things really by choice too they're putting their bodies on the line to 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 get the fans to cheer and i don't know it's that's a tough question it is tough i feel like it's deeper into the industry than we're allowed yeah, to look exactly we don't even know we don't even we can't see behind those doors so i i'd like to believe that they're taking care of their talent financially i know they do get paid well i don't know all the details of that either so i, I can't really i don't think the fans can influence that anyway but all you can do as fans is just cheer boo or be silent you, you got three choices there for for wrestling fans so here here yeah thanks adam that's a that's a whopper of a question all right our next question is what is or was your least favorite storyline or gimmick oh so okay i don't talk a lot about negatives on this show but okay well <laughs> there was a gimmick a storyline I, I wish i knew the date and if you know the date you can call me out on social media and correct me or send me an email it, it, there was a, a storyline that was being developed there was this giant egg Oh, what's in the egg? We don't know. And then the next week, you'd, oh, they'd still be talking about that egg. Oh, I think it was SummerSlam they were building up to. Stay tuned for SummerSlam. What year was this? Oh, I don't remember. It was in the... Like decade? Early 90s, okay. I think. All right. Early 90s. I don't remember the egg. And it gets to... It, I think it was SummerSlam. Or it could have been closer to Thanksgiving if maybe it was Survivor Series. But they got to the big pay-per-view event and the, there was the big egg and everyone was wondering... Oh, Who's in the egg? And it, it cracked open. How big was this egg? Like a like a human sized. Oh my god. Human sized egg. Wow. And it it was I think Mean Gene or it could have been Gorilla Monsoon. One of the announcers was there for the big reveal and oh no it was Mean Gene Oakland because and it's sad that I remember this <laughs> out jumps this turkey. It was a wrestler dressed like a turkey. Now this is by no means a critique of the wrestler that was inside the costume, but the gobbledygooker was the name that we'd all been waiting for. <laughs> He was a turkey wrestler. Oh, my God. And he dosi doed with Mean Gene Oakland. Wow. And I just remember me, me and my friends were just, like, not sure what to say. No. We were staring at the screen, <laughs> just kind of mouths open. So, I gotta say, if we saw that at Glam Sun, we would be cheering it on. 100%. And that kid back then, he, he, he had different opinions. If I saw that now, I might laugh. But at the time, it was... Okay, that's funny. It was a lot of pudding. Um... The, uh, there was another gimmick that I didn't like only because it was one of my favorite wrestlers from Stampede Wrestling that finally got a chance to come up to the WWE, and I just thought they gave him the worst possible gimmick. His name was Mike Shaw. He wrestled in Stampede Wrestling. He, uh, Mucka Singh is the name he went by. And he was just a brute. He was a villain. It's Calgary fans, we hated him. He got called up, WWE, and Bastion Booger was his name. Ooh. And being gross and sweaty was his gimmick. Ick. He wore, like, Speedos... And he was, he's a large fellow yes. and a lot of hair. And he's passed away now, unfortunately. But large fellow, a lot of hair. And 
and I think they oiled him up so he would look really he's oily. And his up. whole gimmick was that he was gross and oh. smelly and yeah, stinky. Yeah, that's a nasty. And I remember just like it bothered gimmick. me just because I was so excited that he got called up, and then I was like, "Oh, dude, I'm so sorry." <laughs> but he did it. He sold it. He worked his butt off. Literally, you could see his butt a lot of the time. And uh, poor Bastion Burger. Anyway, not my favorite gimmick. Okay. Good question, though. Thanks thanks for the question. Uh, that was also from Paul. Okay. We're going to return back to our pal Janelle. Mm-hmm. Um, how can the wrestling market attract new viewers in 2019? Oh, interesting. Well, it really is. I'm going to say that like what they've done is they've brought it back into the focus of pop culture by being very relevant with current issues, the women's division being a focus and showing that that it's important equality in wrestling there's so many uh, i see so much uh diversity in wrestling and but it's there's a push again a push to not just be uh hidden away to be front and center espn i think espn magazine this month has the first ever wwe person on the cover it's oh, becky wow. lynch they've never had a wrestler oh, on the front huge. of espn magazine so i think that they are literally doing a push because there was that massive push in the 80s that it, that no one had ever seen before vince came in and went Let's put this on lunchboxes. Let's make this a global business. And it went, wow. And then, you know, the 90s Attitude Era, TV got nuts. And the Monday Night Wars, things got kind of crazy. But, yeah, I think there's definitely, like, wrestling is becoming back into people's thoughts. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, there's more and more people talking about it. There's more podcasts. Thank you very much. There's, yeah, I, I think I'm right now it, we like, are seeing it. Even show up in, like, shows, too. Like Totally. Um, I was watching Love, I think, a Netflix show, and there's totally, like, an indie wrestling scene in that. And I'm finding that it's just becoming part of the modern psyche. Right I totally now. agree. Like, it just seems to be, like, this kind of, like, a... It's underground, but like in the cool underground thing where people are doing it. So Agreed. I'm not sure if everybody's necessarily flocking to WWE wrestling, but I know like local wrestling here is bopping. So. And let's face it, WWE already had its millions of loyal subscribers. So I think if they're getting new people to the local scenes and to the you know AEW, the new kids on the block, I could see that being something that new fans are watching. It doesn't hurt having The Rock and Dave Bautista and these big name wrestlers stars. that are movie stars and are on talk shows and are are just everyone everyone knows who they are and They're everyone great ambassadors. knows yeah exactly so yeah good question Joe but I think that there is legitimately a push right now to get it back into people's minds and I think it's working yeah I think it's happening yeah all right our last question is what is or was your favorite storyline. Oh, favorite storyline. So we talked about least favorite. This is your most favorite. Most favorite. So this is, for me, an easy one because it comes from being a kid. Uh, and actually, it, this is just going to be a perfect lead-in to the main event. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get into deep about this story because it was... This was like probably the thing that was like I had discovered wrestling, as I talked about in my first episode, my discovery of wrestling and my, my growth as a wrestling fan. But this was the moment that just solidified it, slammed the door. You love professional wrestling. And that was the storyline of Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan no longer being friends. Well, that sure sounds like a transition to a main event to me. Right? Shall we just dive right in there? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's get on to the main event. And today's, it's going to be a little story. It's going to be a story from the 80s wrestling kid, from his past, from the time when one of the most important things of his young childhood happened it was the night the giant fell now just that sentence alone should probably bring 
something to your minds if you're if you're an 80s wrestling kid or even not if you know wrestling history at all the 1980s they were they were the generation of hulk hogan it's when rock and wrestling took over and andre the giant was a prominent name he was he was a, an unstoppable force back then and when i came into wrestling so in the in 1985 and 86 Hulk Hogan had already been the champion. He'd been the champion since 1984. He beat the Iron Sheik for the title at Madison Square Gardens. And he was just the champ. He was just the number one. He was the guy when I tuned in. He was just the number one, the top star. He was always the headliner. He was always the main event. And then there was Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was this amazing competitor. I had never seen anything like him. Nobody had ever seen anything like him. Everywhere he went, he got noticed. He always won. That was the the amazing thing of Andre is he had never lost. Um, And him and Hulk Hogan were friends. When I came into wrestling, they were tag team partners. They were often tagged together. They they were friends. You could see it. They worked well together. They were both giant men, even though Andre was huge. Hulk Hogan is massive as well. He was even bigger then. If you can believe it, he's actually lost four inches in height from his spine being fused from all the injuries. Yeah, crazy, right? So... These two giant men, they're tag teams, they're friends. And that was sort of my introduction. That I followed these two through adventures. And, you know, we were only watching wrestling once a week on Saturdays and, and the occasional Saturday night's main event. So in reading in magazines. So it, it was really just, I spent a lot of time imagining what these two were doing. I recreated a lot of their matches that they tagged together in, in, in the basement. Um, but then it all changed. It changed and it was brilliant how it was orchestrated. I'm going to tell the story at first from... My perspective back then, how I took it all in as the pure story, and then when I'm done that, I'm going to share with you stuff I've learned since then that really made me love it even more as a story. It's my favorite story in the history of wrestling, just the way it was orchestrated. And it all started with a Piper's Pit. So Roddy Piper, very famous heel wrestler, uh, the Scotsman, he did a show called Piper's Pit. It was like a wrestling talk show. So it was during the Saturday show. They had like a a set built, and he was a talk show host, and he would have wrestlers come out, and it was a way for them to do their promos and to to start rivalries, end rivalries, continue rivalries. Piper would usually antagonize people and and yell and scream and get you know <laughs> cause a scene. And on this one episode, it was when Hulk Hogan was uh, commemorating his anniversary for being a champion, and he was being presented by the WWF with a trophy, and so Hulk Hogan came out and. He was going to accept his award when all of a sudden from the back, Andre the Giant walked out. And I'm just a kid. I'm, I'm watching my Saturday show. And all of a sudden, Andre comes out with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now, Bobby Heenan was this amazing heel manager. He was one of the best villains that was ever in wrestling. If you, can go, if you haven't seen him, I'd be shocked. You've probably seen him. But if you haven't, go back and find some Bobby Heenan stuff. He was a great actor. He was a great seller. He, he spoke with such fire all the time. But he's the bad guy. Like, I mean, he's really bad. Every guy he manages, he manages guys like King Kong Bundy. He manages Big John Stud. He manages these bad, bad people. What the hell is Andre doing there? Like, really, what the fuck is Andre the Giant doing coming out with Bobby Heenan? That's the first thing Hulk Hogan asks. Andre, what are you doing? Right? And at home, I'm like, I don't really understand this. And then they start letting the story progress. As Bobby Heenan speaks for Andre and tells us, the viewers, that... Time is up, that Andre can't take it anymore, being ignored, never having lost, and never having a title shot. Oh, like, okay, what a story they're writing here. They're the friend coming out and admitting that he has been resenting his friend all this time, 
wants a title shot and has gone to the enemy to get it. And Hogan is just, you can see it, he's just flabbergasted. He doesn't know what to do. He's losing his mind. He doesn't believe it. And he even says that. He even says he doesn't believe it. He's talking to Andre. Andre's not saying anything. And then Bobby Heenan, with these famous words, says, if you don't believe that, maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. And that's when Andre the Giant reaches and tears Hulk Hogan's shirt off his chest. And even ripped his, his gold chain with the cross on it off his chest, threw it to the ground, and stomped off. And even when he tore it, he actually, the, the, the necklace scratched Hogan's chest and he was bleeding. He was bleeding and he was crying because he'd actually put Vaseline in his eye. If you watch carefully, <laughs> you could see Hogan reach up. And that's how they used to, you know, a lot of actors have done that, putting things in their eye to get a tear. He put Vaseline in his eye and he was crying and he was still in shock that his best friend, Andre the Giant, had just, had just challenged him. And because that Andre the Giant, sorry, before he ripped the shirt off, he actually challenged Hogan to a match, which had, that had never happened before at the WrestleMania that was coming up. And they stomp off the set and Hogan is shocked and Piper, being the, the sly host that he is, just gets right to the point. And he says, Hogan, what's it going to be? Yes or no? Are you going to face Andre the Giant at WrestleMania? And Hogan sold it perfectly. He looks around all confused and then just puts his arms wide and screams, yes! And the crowd goes completely ballistic. And I remember being at home, I was now mad. I was like, yeah, get the giant! Just like that, in like five minutes, they turned me from an Andre the Giant fan to feeling betrayed, and now, oh, now I want Hulk Hogan to, to get this giant. And this was just the start. This is just one episode. It was a Piper's Pit that lasted for maybe 10 minutes. And the seed was now planted. This was a real thing that was happening. And they did such a good job of continuing this the, I, the following week or two weeks after that they had the contract signing for the wrestlemania so just like an old boxing contract signing them sitting across from each other at a table and a press conference and all the media there as these two the champion and the challengers sit signing the contract for the for the big main event of wrestlemania it really started you could see the anger in hogan's face and you could see just the spite in andre's eyes because andre you know even though he was just he was a big dude he was also he was a good actor and he he sold things in his face so well and in his eyes he went from being the joyful giant for all those years to just he had this smirk and this like look in his eye that you you, you knew that he meant business and you really weren't happy about it i was like oh fuck andre what have you done what have you done you felt so betrayed as a fan but also, you couldn't just watch another show the next night or go on to the internet. You had to then fester and, and let this information stew within you until the next opportunity that they would feed you some more. And that was the next time we saw anything really that I remember about this feud that was building here was on a Saturday night's main event. So they set up a battle royal that would have both Hogan and Andre in it. And to, to us at home, this was the first time they'd ever been in the ring together what and because i know battle royals at some point the two people that you want to face each other are going to bump into each other and that's what happened this night is they were in the ring 20 men all scrapping away of course there's a bunch of people in the way of andre and hulk and hulk hogan they can't get get to each other and you know it's coming they bump into each other turn around oh and it's on hogan's fired up he goes after the giant and i just remember seeing Andre the Giant throwing Hogan over the top rope to the outside. What? Hulk Hogan just lost? Wait, hang on. He lost? Andre inside mocking him, pointing. Bobby Heenan outside laughing and pointing. 
you know, for a fan, it was crushing. It was, and it also started to set up that fear. Because I was, you know, I'm 13 years old, and wrestling is that borderline, you know, real what's going on how much of this is actually happening and i was starting to get a little worried i'm like what if what if andre is too much for hogan what if what if this is going to end hulk hogan's championship reign i was starting to feel that pressure wrestlemania was creeping up really fast so okay i've seen all this stuff on on the maple leaf wrestling on saturdays superstars in the states maple leaf wrestling in canada saturday night's main event has had some stuff but now wrestlemania is coming but as a fan now, as a kid in Calgary, I'm starting to panic because I can't see it. So take this into account. I couldn't go see WrestleMania. My parents, uh, they they didn't really want to... I seem to recall asking and getting turned down. And I don't know if my dad will deny this now. But not they didn't want to take me to the, to the closed-circuit screening of WrestleMania. So it was my friend uh, Chad and his family was going. And... Yeah, I had to sit at home that night and stress about what was happening. I had to, I remember, I specifically remember eating dinner and I'm just stressing, going, oh God, WrestleMania started. And I, and I knew there was a bunch of matches that night. I'll get into WrestleMania 3 in, in, in many podcasts because there were some amazing matches. My favorite match of all time is in WrestleMania 3 and that's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about my favorite overall story, which is Hogan and Andre. But um, Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat had a huge match at WrestleMania 3. It's an incredible match, my favorite match. If you haven't seen it, good lord, find the match tonight and watch it because it's incredible. But, and as stressed out as I was about that match, my mind was on the main event. Oh, I couldn't believe I didn't get to see it. My buddy had promised me that he was going to call me with the results, but he only got to call me after Macho Man's match and break my heart that he lost. He didn't get a chance to call me for the main event, so I just sat at home wondering what happened. What happened with Hogan and Andre? And my dad, I do remember him coming downstairs and going, son, let's put on the news. Maybe it'll be there. And I was like, what? This is what you had to do. You had to hope that you could find the results. We've channel flicked till we could find a sports uh, highlight package. And I'm just waiting, going, oh, please, please show me. I, I was seriously stressing out. And then WrestleMania 3 in the corner of the screen. Oh, my God, they're talking about it. They're talking about it. But, of course, they can't show it to us. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, because there's there's licensing rates and rules and they just have still photos still still photos of hogan and andre in different poses and positions doesn't tell you anything except you see the, the costumes they're wearing you can see the, the flashes of light in the crowd which are the people taking pictures and that's it except for this still photo that i'll never forget for the rest of my life of andre picked up over top of hulk hogan's head and the and the i do remember the sportscaster actually saying when Hulk Hogan slammed the giant to get the win. And I lost my mind. Now I'm like, oh my God, Hulk Hogan won. He didn't just win. He slammed Andre the giant. And I haven't seen it. I started to panic. I haven't seen it. I need to see it. But at that time, that tough, tough shit. You don't get to watch it. That's just the go to bed. You're done. Your evening is over. And I don't think I slept very much that night. Just trying to imagine what that match must have looked like. And at this time, so in 1987, we had only recently got a VCR. So, and VCR tapes, like when the new movies and stuff came out, it wasn't instantly. So WrestleMania was Sunday. Well, that tape's not coming out Monday. In fact, I can't remember exactly how long I had to wait, but it was, it was a while that I had to wait before I actually got to watch WrestleMania 3. Now, that was an incredible moment 
to actually go to the video store probably months later and see that tape on the shelf, rent it, get it home. It was me and my friends. We, we got together, me and my buddy Chad, and, a, and there might have been his brother. And to watch this like three and a half, four hour uh, unbelievable event that uh, you know that we'd run through images in our minds. Chad had seen it at the close circuit, um, but I had not. And to get to Hogan and Andre, the match was so incredible. The crowd was so loud. We were screaming at home. Like I was screaming just as loud as the crowd was screaming. It was so exciting to see, you know, my hero Hulk Hogan come out, Andre the Giant come out. I'm booing at the television, and to watch the match progress, I I, I thought it was fantastic. It was it was two big lumbering slow guys just slowly working at each other and slowly, you know, the match had a had a interesting speed which I'll get to in the second half of this main event as to what I learned about the the actual story writing for this match. Um, but that was an incredible experience. We, of course, um, you know, had to get a copy of that because we, we knew we were going to want to watch that again and again. And we did. We watched it over and over. I've probably seen that match a hundred times. I've probably seen the whole WrestleMania a hundred times. Um, that was just a regular get off school, go home, watch WrestleMania 3. We did that for like an entire year until WrestleMania 4, basically. Because um, it was the wrestling you could watch on demand like we have on demand now if i want to watch wrestling i I turn on the wwe network and i I watch some wrestling i can watch any wrestling i want over the last 30 years but on demand back then meant do you do you own it is it or did you record it is it there because at this point i had accumulated a pretty good collection of vhs tapes of just recording maple leaf wrestling on saturdays filling up tapes with just i didn't care what the matches were i was going to record them my friends were recording them and then we were going to just exchange tapes. And tape trading is an amazing thing that happened in the 80s for wrestling. I'm going to talk about that in a couple episodes from now. I'm going to do a little section on tape trading because it was it was an amazing thing that friends were just... It was how you had to get your content. It was how you saw stuff. This was For WrestleMania 3, I had so many friends that they didn't see the closed circuit. They hadn't rented it. So I've got a copy of it. Do you want to borrow it? And we would just start lending out our, our copies of WrestleMania. And yeah, that, that WrestleMania pay-per-view got us through an entire year. And it was incredible. It's to this day, it, it, I'll always remember that night watching the, the sports highlights with my dad. Um, so flash forward to two years ago when HBO does that this amazing documentary on Andre the Giant. And if you haven't seen it, it's incredible. It's a really well done documentary. You know HBO. Like they, <laughs> HBO knows what the fuck they're doing. They make incredible content. It's riveting. It's great. And it gets into this story. I think the last like half hour of the documentary is just talking about this moment in Andre's life. And this is what has changed this story for me forever in, in an amazing way. It already was incredible. But what I've learned about this, it's just amazing. Because poor Andre at this point in his career, he'd been wrestling for 25 years. And he also was dealing with that condition that he suffered with that caused the gigantism, I think. or That's the non-technical term, but um, his health was horrible. And his, his body was starting to really deteriorate on him. He, he was feeling awful. He couldn't move in the ring like he used to. His, his heart just couldn't keep up with the size of his body. And he'd had injuries. He had a, an injury to his knee. He had his uh, broken ankle that he had to get surgery on. His body was just starting to really give out on him. His back was atrocious. When he filmed uh, The Princess Bride, um, I guess he, his back was so bad that he, he couldn't really do much of anything. When he was on screen, he needed assistance. And there's moments in that movie where it's not actually him. It's it's a giant stuntman, you know, doing some of the more aggressive moving stuff because he just couldn't, he couldn't do it. 
So you, after I've said this, after I've just described what sounds like almost a feeble, uh, feeble man, you wonder how did that guy main event WrestleMania three? That's what's so incredible about this is he needed surgery on his back really bad. And Andre was from all reports that I've read and heard in interviews, very stubborn when it came to medical, he didn't want to go to doctors for anything. The only time that people really think he ever went to the doctor was when he broke his, his uh, ankle because that required surgery. But other than that, he just he just believed that you know he would go as long as he could, and whenever things stopped working, that was just the end of it. And you know, it's his life; he can make those decisions. But he really needed medical attention for his back. It was limiting anything, not just in his wrestling career, but in his life. And he sat down with Vince McMahon, and Vince actually told him, you know, if if you get this surgery on your back, you can have a shot at one more moment of glory. WrestleMania three main event. And for Andre, this was his ultimate dream. He never wanted to stop wrestling. This is why he, he had lived his whole life just loving being in the ring. He never even really all those years wanted to be champion. That wasn't Andre the Giant's motivation in, in being a wrestler. He loved entertaining. He loved kids smiling. He loved just walking out and hearing a roar of a crowd. That's all he wanted. But with his back, he was pretty much finished. But to hear the words, if you get this surgery, maybe you can have one more great moment one more great match and Andre got the back surgery now he got the back surgery you know a few months before Wrestlemania so by the time Wrestlemania 3 came he wasn't really in ring shape and the match has already been billed as Hogan versus the Giant they've already sold out the Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit 93,173 tickets that's a lot of people and yes, I had that number memorized. It's the weirdest tick. Uh, fans of WrestleMania 3 have this, they have that number imprinted on their brain. You can hear Mean Gene Oakland going, 93,173, give yourselves a big hand. You can just hear Mean Gene. I'll never forget that line. And this tickets are sold. This thing is happening. Oh, Andre, how are you even going to, how are you going to have a, a main event match in front of all these people that, that still wows, that still looks amazing, that still will live forever. And so Hogan was stressing about it. Vince was stressing about it. But it seemed like the only one that wasn't stressing about it was Andre the Giant. Andre was super cool. He was like, don't worry about it, boss, he kept saying. Don't worry about it, boss. That's what he would say to Hogan. That's what he would say to Vince. Don't worry about it. Well, Hogan would say, cool. And then he would turn around and start sweating. Because he's, Vince and Hogan have this plan to make WWE the biggest thing on the planet. Right? This is where wrestling is just, for, through the 80s, the rock and wrestling time, through WrestleMania 1, through WrestleMania 2, it's building into this global machine now. And if WrestleMania 3 is a success, there's nothing that this company can't do after that. And it's never going to happen if this falls apart and if there's no main event or if the main event is terrible. And this is this is all Hogan can think about. He's so stressed out. He goes into an office with Vince McMahon. He sits down and he's talking to Vince about... Well, how, what are, how can we do this? What are we going to do? And Vince actually asks Hogan straight up, well, what do you see in this match? And Hogan grabs a yellow legal pad off Vince's desk and starts writing. And he scripts out the entire match. He writes down every single thing that he thinks would be great that he could do and that Andre could do. Because that's all he's thinking about is how can we make a match that Andre can do? How can we do moves that he can actually, if he has to go down, get back up again? But we don't want him to look weak when he's doing it. He's 
the giant. He's coming after Hogan's title. He's supposed to be unstoppable. So it was actually kind of amazing to listen to them. How do we come up with a way that's easiest on him? You always think about how hard wrestling is on on these competitors and all the horrible, (laughs) painful bumps they go through. Here's a person trying to draft up a match that will be the least painful thing that they can do that will still look great. Because he didn't want anything bad to happen to Andre. He is his friend, but he also wants it to be a great match. He wants it to be a success. And he writes the whole thing out and to the finish and goes, well, Vince, what, what do we do? What's the finish? And Vince is like, I don't know. Talk to Andre. <laughs> so, so poor Hogan's like, oh, he doesn't know if he wins. He doesn't know if he loses. And we're leaving it up to the giant who doesn't really talk that much. So he, on several occasions, I guess he talked to Andre asking him, hey, what's the finish? And Andre would say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, boss. I got this. Don't worry. Hogan's like, what does that even mean? All the way up to the night of WrestleMania. When they got to the Silverdome, it still wasn't decided officially. And if it was between Vince and Andre, if it was decided, Hogan was never told. He's he's admitted that he went into that match not knowing if Andre was going to be able to fight, not knowing if he'd even seen the script that he wrote, and not knowing how it was going to finish in front of 93,173 people. So cue the lights. Out come these two wrestlers, and crowd is going. It, it's one of the loudest pops you'll ever hear in a wrestling arena. Now the crowd is—they're hot. They're—they're they're all over Andre. The, the, this is a time when you know I, things were allowed to be thrown in the ring. You never really see that anymore. But balls of paper are being chucked at Andre. Uh, empty pop cups, bags of popcorn. Him and Bobby Heenan are getting just showered with stuff onto the way to the ring. This is this is a hostile ninety-three thousand people, and. He gets in the ring and he looks perfect. He looks so intimidating. He looks so confident. You got to see Andre's face. You got to watch this match. I'm watching this match as soon as I'm done recording this. He's, he looks so serious and so ready. And he doesn't look in pain at all. And how this man could hide that level of pain is incredible. Because think about it. Seven feet tall, 500 pounds, in agony all the time. Just unbelievable that he was able to be such a professional. And be such a strong human and be able to come out like that. And also dealing with the crowd like that because, like I said earlier, he wrestled for the cheers. And he admitted later in, uh, after he'd officially retired that it was really hard for him to be a villain. He never wanted to be booed by anyone. He just wanted to be cheered by kids and see smiling faces. And now everybody hated him. So this crowd was hostile. And then all of a sudden, cue the music. Real American comes on. Out comes Hulk Hogan, the champ. He doesn't ride the cart. Andre rode this uh, little cute little moving wrestling ring. It was the most adorable thing because it was a long... The Pontiac Silverdome is, is a huge stadium. And so this little cart, a little mini wrestling ring on wheels, would carry the wrestlers down to the ring. And, of course, Andre would need that to happen because there's no way he's doing a 100-meter trek to get to the ring. Hogan comes out. No, no cart. Just walking down. He, he looks fired up. But you know... Now that, you, now that I've seen that documentary, now that I'm telling you this, you know that he's coming down to that ring not knowing what the hell is going on. He doesn't know what's coming next, but he's got to still sell it like he's going in there to beat the giant. That's what's happening. He's the champ, and he's going to win. He gets in that ring, tears off his shirt the way Hulk Hogan always does, turns around, looks at Andre. But he's, now he's like, okay, what's going to happen? He walks towards Andre. He's yelling at him, gibbering at him, and he goes, Andre comes in for a punch. Well, that was the first thing on the on the pad that Hogan wrote down. So he blocks it, and he punches Andre. That was the second thing he wrote down. Andre takes it. 
He punches Andre a second time. That's what he wrote down. He's like, wait a second. This so far is exactly what I wrote. So he goes to body slam Andre the Giant, but he knows he wrote down this body slam fails and he lands on top of you and almost gets a pinfall. Well, Andre shifts his weight. Down they go. Almost get a pinfall. Wait a second. Now Hogan is realizing this is what I wrote. Andre actually took my script and he's doing it. And suddenly Hogan was feeling, he felt so alive because he knew that what he wrote was something that clearly in Andre's current state, he'd be able to do. He was, he was selling everything he was doing without having to move at all. Because most of what Hogan wrote, Andre was mostly standing, just looking intimidating. It's, it's fascinating when you know this now and you watch this match. Andre doesn't do a whole lot, but you don't really notice because it's so perfect how it's all done. And his reactions are all yelling at Hogan to get up. You know, and his moves are slow, picking Hogan up really slow, looking at the crowd, throwing Hogan around. And when you throw a big man around, that's what you're watching. You're watching Hogan go down. You're not really watching Andre that he didn't really do much there. There's even a long sequence that Andre puts him in a bear hug. And Hogan wrote that down too. And he put him in a bear hug and Hogan was actually standing up straight. You never see this in wrestling. It's one of the only bear hugs you ever see where the person that's getting bear hugged is just sort of standing completely upright but falling asleep from the bear hug because he had to be as tall as he could because Andre couldn't bend over and he knew Andre couldn't bend. So he, he was legitimately trying to make the move easier for Andre. But if you look at Hogan, he sells the hell, he sells the hell out of it. I still think he's falling asleep, even though... You know, it is so funny to watch a wrestler's arm get dropped a few times and all of a sudden, oh no, they're waking up. But it's 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 a classic wrestling move. It's a classic narrative move. I, I love it. And this it works so perfectly in this match. They end up outside the ring, inside the ring. All this stuff is happening, and you're not questioning Andre's mobility. You're not questioning his health. You're 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 still worried the Hulk Hogan's gonna lose because Andre he was really putting such pressure on Hogan and Hogan was selling it like he was really getting hurt that yeah it was looking bad for the Hulkster and then all of a sudden an amazing move happens where Hogan goes into the ropes Andre misses a boot Hogan comes off the other ropes clotheslines the giant and down he goes and none of us I I'd never remember seeing Andre the giant get knocked down and we're talking about a guy that I've just described how bad his health is but when you watch this he gets knocked down and it looks like a Big strong giant just got knocked off his feet, and it's. I remember Jesse uh, was it Jesse Ventura saying, "I don't ever remember the giant getting knocked off his feet like that," and I don't think that I personally never remember that happening. And it might have happened prior to WrestleMania one, because you know Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, they both wrestled a lot in the past. In fact, you know, little secret here, they actually wrestled before this WrestleMania, but it's a neat little rule that you know. Anything that happens before a certain time in a wrestling story never happened. Kind of like a comic book when they restarted at issue number one or a TV show that starts again or a movie gets rebooted. Nothing that happened before, no, none of that ever happened. So, you know, Andre the Giant fighting Hulk Hogan at Shea Stadium in 1976, 1980, one of those years, it never happened. This is the first time they've ever faced each other. That's the first time Andre's ever been knocked off his feet. When Hogan hulks up, he starts getting fired up. Andre's just been knocked down. This crowd has lost their minds. Especially you see the front like five rows on all sides of the ring. They've lost their minds. Those, those, those people are going completely insane because it's been looking like for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, like their hero's going to lose. They've been watching four hours of wrestling and Hulk Hogan's getting squashed. But suddenly he is fired up. But now back to the storyline, back to the script. Hogan doesn't know what's going to happen. He knows that they need to finish the match. 
But apparently the clothesline was the last, that was the last thing he wrote was knocking the giant down. And he's hulking up. He's standing across from the giant. Andre's getting up and Andre's holding his face because he's just been knocked down. But under his hands, he yells, slam. And Hogan's like, oh my God, he just told me to slam him. Holy fuck. He walks up. And Andre had to let him slam him. Something I've learned from listening to enough podcasts, listening to enough wrestlers talk about wrestling. A body slam is something that both people have to be involved in. Because a guy like Andre, if he doesn't want you to body slam him, you're not going to body slam him. You can't just walk up, pick up Andre and slam him. That's never going to happen. If he's getting body slammed, he's going with it. He's helping you. He's shifting his weight. He's 500 pounds, right? And Hulk walks up picks him up and slams him. And it's it's just one of these iconic moments that when you see it, you can't believe it. It never seems real. Every time I watch it, there's no way that he picked Andre the Giant up and slammed him. How could you? How could you pick up a giant and throw him to the ground? That's ridiculous. But he did it. Andre hits the ground and lying on the ground, yells, leg drop. Hogan hits the ropes, comes off, hits the leg, goes for the pin, and he's waiting for Andre to kick out. He's convinced that this match is going to end with Andre the Giant keeping the undefeated streak, taking the title. And from Hogan's own words, he said he would have been fine with that. He still would have got over because the champ losing the title, oh no, and now you're going to wait for him to come back, right? That's I talked earlier in my podcast, episode one, about that losing is so important in wrestling sometimes. And this is an example of where if he did lose, okay, it would have been, oh, heart-wrenching that night for, for him, for the fans, for everyone. But... It sure would have set up a, an amazing feud that would have continued. But also him winning, beating the Giant, thats that puts you over instantly that night. Instantly, you're Hulk Hogan, world champion, beat the Giant. You know, cue music, you're now the biggest thing <laughs> the biggest thing in the world. On every lunchbox, boxes of cereal, cartoons, you know. And Andre doesn't kick out. Three count. Joy Morella, one, two, three. The match is over. That was Andre the Giant's ultimate plan was Hogan would be in the moment if he didn't know how it was going to end. Talk about bringing reality into wrestling there as far as the finish, having the champ, he, when he's celebrating that win, he's celebrating because he didn't know he was going to get it. And when I watch it now, knowing that script was all written and that Andre memorized it and did it blow by blow. Uh, and even he came up with the finish. <laughs> Hogan didn't have it. He knew it would be body slam, leg drop, and pin, which, yeah, okay, that's a pretty standard Hulk Hogan finish that we learned over the years, but at that time, you know, it was still pretty fresh for me, and yeah, it was absolutely incredible, and I, I tip my hat to Andre the Giant. I, I miss that guy. I miss watching him wrestle. Uh, he passed away quite a, quite a few years ago now, um, and if you haven't seen that documentary, check it out, but WrestleMania 3, the road to it, the experience of watching it, and now Years later, learning what really went into this story has just made it something that is just so magical to me that I, I think everyone, if you're into wrestling at all, really think about what I said about this story. Go and watch that documentary and then go back and watch how that story progressed and imagine that they were trying to set up something that was going to launch this company into the stratosphere and it worked because really that's the biggest match you could ever have in wrestling. And I know we've had huge matches since, but I don't know if it's ever been as big as Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. You can only have that once, you know, the giant in the ring. We've had other giants, but that he was the first giant, right? The first true giant of wrestling. And there you go. That's that's the story. My favorite wrestling story of all time. 
it is it's an incredible journey to follow and i hope it was fun to listen to and you should go watch it seriously check it out if you can it's an amazing wrestling story andre the giant story is incredible and uh you know he kept wrestling after wrestlemania 3 and i think their feud even went on to wrestlemania 4 um but it it really it, it couldn't get bigger than that main event and at this after wrestlemania 3 andre's health you know he made it through that match but after that, you could really see that he he really couldn't do much else in the ring. He was just he he couldn't let it go, but he was really struggling. And there was he I remember him getting into tag team matches just so he could be you know the guy on the outside, not having to go in, which good for him. Like I I understood why he did that, but um, yeah. And then sadly, you know, he passed away in Paris, and and uh, he'll just be in our memories now. But yeah, WrestleMania three. That's my story. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, yeah. This has been a great episode. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you look for your podcasts. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review, and hey, tell your friends. You can find me on Instagram, at Mr.Meany, and on Twitter, at Mr. Underscore. All right, I'm out of here. And hey, if you're looking for something to do, go watch some rest.